This is Journey with Care. Within each of us lies a diverse tapestry of traits and desires, shaping our unique approach to caring for others. Join our host Wendy and her esteemed guest Tamara as they set the stage for our new series and give an overview of these enigmatic personality types. Prepare to unravel the intricacies of the human soul where each conversation uncovers the distinct patterns that shape our personalities, inform our caring actions, and help us forge meaningful connections with others. Together, we will traverse the labyrinth of what makes us tick and emerge with a deeper understanding of our own unique approach to care. So welcome to this extraordinary new series, Flavors of Care. So let's embrace curiosity and let the journey commence. Well, I'm excited to kick off a new series here on Journey with Care. We're going to be diving right into the flavors of care. And with me, I'm so delighted to have Tamara Craker. Welcome to the podcast. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, we're going to have a fun time today (laughs) setting the stage for what will be another nine episodes. And when we're talking about flavors of care, we're really wanting to dive right in, dig right into the ways people care in their community. And just identifying and acknowledging and appreciating the diversity within our communities and how we look at the world, what motivates our care. And we're going to be hearing from a lot of people over the next weeks to really understand their stories and how we're wired differently to care. And some of you may be familiar with the Enneagram. This isn't that show, but we are going to be diving a little bit into that tool. And that's why I've invited our friend here, Tamara Craker, to the podcast, because you know a lot about it. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, my journey with the Enneagram started almost 10 years ago, and I was looking at a list of what an Enneagram 9 would maybe be thinking, and every single one of them was me. And I thought, how is it possible that something or someone would know kind of an insight into my inner world and be able to name it in a way that I couldn't even name all the time. So I really started because I was super curious about myself and about this system that kind of provided a sense of self-awareness, self-acceptance, and a way to expand kind of how I think. So over the last two decades, I've been a teacher and I've taught different ages and different subject areas, most recently as a music teacher. But as I started digging into the Enneagram and realizing how transformative it is and how it shifted even how I was as a teacher and how I related to people around me, I just had a feeling that it was going to be my next big move. So when it shifted, would you say it altered sort of who you thought of yourself or the direction and you just learned more about yourself? What what happened as you were doing that? I think I became more and more aware of my patterns and behaviors. And I realized that at some point, the amount of books and studying I could do individually was reaching its limit. And I really wanted to seek some professional guidance. So some professional courses, some professional coaching so that I could take it to the next level. So you are making a shift, a significant shift in your life right now from teaching. And I'm sure it's a transferable skill that won't go to waste at all. 
but you're making a significant shift into coaching, I understand, and your new company or organization is called Enneagram Aware. That's right. And yeah. you're literally just launching it right now. So I'm what's, very excited. What's the website? We're going to bring your first uh, people to your website. So my website is going to be enneagramaware.ca. Woo woo. Go there for lots of education on the Enneagram and finding out your number and a little bit of psychology, Jahari Window, the Circle of Change, some of those really interesting concepts that promotes awareness, promotes the idea that we maybe don't know as much as we think we know about ourselves. So tell me a little bit more about making that shift. And you must really believe in self-awareness and understanding our relation with others and in our community to make that shift. Why is it so important to help others find their awareness? Well, for me... um, We'll get into this later, but I'm an Enneagram 9. And so the majority of my life has been spent trying to figure out other people's lives. And so it took me a long time to realize that my focus was on others instead of my own ideas, preferences, things that I actually liked and wanted. And so the journey with the Enneagram has brought me to a place where I can look at teaching and I can look at it and say, I like this. I'm good at this. But is it what I really want to do right now? And as I've kind of done that inner self-discovery, I've realized that the things that I brought to teaching, the skills and the ways that I welcomed students into my classroom, those were things that I got better at as I got to know myself better. And those skills are going to work in a lot of different professions. And so while I am not leaving teaching because I don't like it, I really liked it and still would love to teach. I really want to try something in a subject area that I'm super passionate about. And that's why I'm making the move to teach in the Enneagram world and see what that looks like and see where that takes me next. So talk to the person that is maybe skeptical about, well, you can't corner me into one type. I'm like, I'm a little more nuanced or aren't we all just people How do you work through that? Because I know as I've done inner work, it's so much more. Right. We can't go into possibly go into it in this series alone. But but how do you work with that? Maybe a bit of pushback on that self-awareness and, oh, this is just another construct. Sure. And I think it can be what you want it to be. Um, I've heard it said that the Enneagram and self-discovery kind of come to you when you're ready for it. So I think that there's a lot of cliches out there around the Enneagram where follow this meme or what would each Enneagram number do at a party? And it gives it a bad rap. Actually, I I followed some things on like Insta and and things like that. And I'm like, oh, goodness, no wonder people roll their eyes at it. Yeah, I think that those things can be fun. And I think that those things can bring some interest into your life and around the family dinner table. That's all fine and good. But what I've certainly learned about the Enneagram is it is far more nuanced than it appears on the surface. And that as you start diving into the ins and outs and really interesting aspects of how the human mind works and how different people think about situations differently, I think you'll find really like a a treasure of stuff to discover. It really stems for me around the idea that we are not totally conscious of the ways that we are moving through the world. And so I found that the more I can accept that I may be behaving in ways that other people can see or 
that I can't even see myself and maybe nobody can see, you can kind of start figuring out ways that you're behaving and ways that you're interacting with people that are happening on a completely different level. And so the whole concept of the iceberg where, you know, the top is what you're seeing and you're conscious of how you're responding to somebody or someone invites you for coffee and you say yes. Why did you say yes? There's so many layers below that where, you know, you had a relationship with that person from 10 years ago. So you're saying yes because you kind of feel bad. Or maybe you're saying yes because you're lonely and you really want to hang out with someone. Or maybe you're saying yes because that's your mom's friend and you kind of feel like you should. So there's there's or you have a networking agenda (laughs) or there's like, I see a party. I don't want to miss out. There's so many ways to look at the same incident. And I love that about this kind of work. And it's just really celebrating how we're wired. Yes, exactly. So there's so much more to it. So I get that on the surface, the way some people have presented it, it feels narrow and it feels like we're being put in a box. But the truth is that we all have developed ways of dealing with the world around us. And some of those ways help us more than others. And the Enneagram is about kind of examining those ways and seeing what is working and what isn't. I'll take us back to our our whole series called Flavors of Care. It's like I could like all kinds of flavors of ice cream, but I keep going back to that one favorite comfort. And when I need something, it's that type of ice cream. And, And it's really like that within ourselves. We can dabble. We have a bit of everything in us, right? But in default mode, we have a preference. We have something and, and we're we're looking at why do I prefer well, that? And even going further, we have things that we choose when we're really healthy and when we're feeling really, really good. And then we have things that we choose when we're not feeling so good and we're really on autopilot. And the Enneagram is a space that envelops all of it. Mm-hmm. It isn't just saying, hey, you always look this way. It's saying, here's a whole bunch of reasons you might be looking this way, you might be looking this way, and working with that and not saying it's wrong or this way is better or that way is worse. It's looking at it and providing a path forward to really embrace who you are and the humanity that is good, bad, and ugly, all of it. So what we're saying is really a tool, a tool of many, yes, but one that many people go to for good reasons. And it just gives us language to do that inner work. Absolutely. It gives us language to talk about something we haven't always been able to access or understand of ourselves and that self-discovery as we go about life. And I have to also say that I have met people who would identify in the same numbers, same preferences, same wings. We are not going to go into all of that today. However, they're still very unique individuals. It doesn't, they can look and behave even quite differently, but there's core motivations, core strengths, and core ways of seeing things that make sense to that person. And so it's not saying, oh, you're, you're the same person now. It's bringing us back. And this is where theology really fits in. God made us in his image. I believe God has, has everything within him, all the good. And we all are made in his image, but we have different reflections of the same creator. Yes. And all of it is good. So we're going to celebrate that through the different flavors that we are going to dig into. So like figuratively, grab your spoon. We're going to dig into different <laughs> nine different ice cream scoops today. And then the the coming weeks, we're going to 
really listen to people. And you're going to hear, people are going to hear the difference in the stories and perspectives of how they view caring for their community and how they feel loved. So much of it is our own self-acceptance and our own ways of fitting in within the community in an authentic way, not in a forced way that community expects of you. I don't know about you, if you've lived in that, it, it's a hard space to be in living in other people's expectations that doesn't resonate with who we are. Absolutely. And I think that is the danger of the Enneagram is saying, I'm a nine. Oh, look at me being a nine. Oh, this is me being a nine. And I think we can lean into some of those cliches too heavily. And that's really not... Or permission for the, bad behavior yeah, or whatever, exactly. right? <laughs> that's not the purpose of what we're trying to do. We're trying to examine what those look like. And yes, there's laughs along the way and everyone likes a different ice cream scoop. And that's part of the journey is being curious and having fun and embracing the fullness of what this is. Yeah. So in this series that we're beginning today uh, about the flavors of care, we're not going to be making everybody experts on the Enneagram. We're not trying to assume authority over this this big subject. We're going to invite people, if you're interested to more, to do the deep work. We'll, we'll include some things in the show notes, some links and some things if you want to do that. What are some other advice for people that are curious or wanting to do their own work in that area? Because we're not going to cover it all. What are some words of wisdom you would have for, for people? Sure. I think probably the most dangerous thing is someone who kind of likes the Enneagram and tells everybody else what type they are. It's really important to remember that your Enneagram number is yours to identify. And it is not up to you to identify others and for others to identify you. So I think it's really important to do your own work. Mm -hmm. I think it's also really important to remember that there aren't worse or better numbers. There are lots of levels of health and unhealth that exist in all of us. And in a given day, we are all of those things. So there isn't a better or worse in this system. Good point. I think sometimes people are confused in what number they are because we're actually all the numbers. Like we said earlier, we're all made in God's image and we actually contain a little bit of all of these numbers. And so if you're confused at first and aren't totally sure what your number is, that isn't uncommon. So there may be some that stand out to you, and that is a perfect opportunity to dive into those numbers a little bit deeper. You don't need to feel scared if you don't find yourself immediately. There's actually a number that thinks they're all the numbers. And guess what? It's mine. Enneagram 9 <laughs> thinks that they're everyone. So That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> so don't worry about it. I'm there. I thought I was every number under the sun, and that usually means you're a 9. So you know what happened for me? is that when I did some more work into it and, and did reading, listened to some podcasts and stuff, I struggled to embrace the number that I actually naturally resonated most with me. Mm. Because I'm like, what white Mennonite girl <laughs> could be possibly be the challenger? That's not cool. I've been conditioned to be a two, I've, uh, to be the helper. Yes. And yet the more I listened to the good, the bad, and the ugly and leaned into it and started doing my inner work that nobody else, no book could tell you. You just got to, through prayer and through reading, through just community, I discovered actually where I thrived and I actually fought my own number. And yet it, I, I fought it at the same time I exhaled. Mm. I finally found, oh, I can accept who I am. Yeah. Even when I felt in so many circumstances 
like too much. Well, and I think that's so important to note is that sometimes the way we've been socialized predisposes us to certain numbers. And it's not necessarily the the way we are. It's the water we've been swimming in. And when you really do some of that examination, it may turn out differently than you think. And sometimes you feel uncomfortable. That's legitimate. It's that idea of when a light shines on you, there's going to be shadows and there's going to be things that make you go, I didn't want anyone to know that about me. Or I, you know, I struggled to even admit that to myself. And that's there's all. a vulnerability. Absolutely. With that. And that's part of the process. So we're going to go there. We're going to dive right in to the nine flavors that we've we've brought out. And of course, there's nuances to that. You've particularly suggested a, an order to how we go about the different flavors. Do you want to talk briefly about that? Sure. And we're going to dive right in. Sure. So the human experience is, we, we see it in three kind of different areas. We experience life through our body, through kind of our instincts. We experience life in our emotions and our feelings. And then finally, a lot of us experience life in our mind and how we think through things. And none of those three experiences and ways of knowing are better or worse, but typically people lean into one more than the others. So the way that I've been taught the Enneagram is I've been taught it in those three centers of knowing. So we were talking about going through the numbers center by center. So the body-based centers, the ones who kind of like act first and they're ready to go that would be numbers. Is that more like the gut? Yeah, from the gut. And, you know, when I knew I needed to quit my job and move on, I knew it in my body. You had a hunch. I had a hunch, yeah. So you would lean on to that rather than doing all the analytics and you've got everything squared away on a spreadsheet. Yes. So the numbers that kind of lead with the gut and lead with action are eight, nine, and one. And then the numbers that lead with their feelings and lead more with their heart center would be two, three, and four. They're more connected to their emotions either by repressing them or internalizing them or really diving into them. And then the final center, the head or thinking center, would be five, six, and seven. And they're more prone to logic and more prone to really having a a system and a strategy to move forward. Okay, no, that's really good. So we're going to start with, what did you call it? The body instinctive center. And you've chosen the eight. (laughs) Oh, no, I'm on the hot seat. (laughs) And we've affectionately called the eights the challengers. (laughs) First of all, if you could create an ice cream that would embody the challenger. We're just having fun here. So guys, don't get too serious (laughs) on here. Just grab a spoon, okay? What would you describe an ice cream that would be the challenger in an assortment of ice creams? Well, that's a, such an interesting question. I feel like I need to flip that back to you. So oh, I've heard a lot of like eights are intense. We eights, are intense. Eights really come with a lot of energy and they're happy to state what they like. Strong and challenging, that's right? That's right. We don't right. mind sticking out a bit if we have to. Right. So, I mean, I've heard triple chocolate because that's like... A lot. I love triple chocolate. Okay. I love okay. triple chocolate. I was thinking black tiger because it's like a really strong, whether you love yeah. it or hate it, it's yeah, always yeah. there. So I, I don't even like it, but I, it, that's one came to mind. But I like, the, I actually enjoy the triple chocolate intensity. You can't okay. get too much. Okay. So let's go with the triple chocolate. I think triple chocolate yeah. fits. And I have an eight friend who, once she has her mind set on something, 
don't even think about trying to change it. It's just probably not going to happen. Because in our gut, we just kind of know. You just know. Like yeah. to the point where we went through a drive through once and she said, okay, if they don't have the Nutella croissant, we're just moving on and we're going to the next Tim Hortons. <laughs> and we just kept on going until we found exactly what she wanted. Yeah. So like, let's talk about that. Sure. So the eights are the friend that always has your back. I think the eights are strong and bold, and sometimes they get a bad rap for being very direct and blunt, Mm -hmm. or we could call it to the point. (laughs) And some eights have a better nuance around how to deliver their bluntness, but you never have to feel like you don't know what they're thinking. They are who they are. I also know that I'm not prone to passive aggression. Mm. Maybe aggression. What you see is what you get. There's no hidden agenda. I, I've, got, I've got no time for <laughs> for playing games or what do you really mean? I'll say what I mean. Yes. And I'm learning how to do it tactfully. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> and actually what I find, and, and we'll go into the eights. I, I'm not going to to steal the show for who's going to be coming with me to this journey on Enneagram yes. 8 with Caitlin Cron. But there's intimacy that happens when there's confrontation or intensity, Yes, uh, when we even have good debates or opposing. We're not against people, but there's an intimacy that happens when we're like, okay, now we're getting to something good. Yes. Well, and that is when we think about the whole community as a whole, you need that person that's prepared to say, hey, that felt awkward. Here's what my interpretation of that is. And to jump right into that instead of backing away from those moments that other people aren't so sure about. You need that number to get in there and get their feet dirty and get it going. So in the church, we need eights. We need challengers in there when they're in their health. Yes. Because it can also be a bomb that's ready to detonate. So this is why, (laughs) folks, do yourself awareness because otherwise we're just dangerous, right? Get your journal out. Everyone get journaling. But in our health, the church needs us because we will actually identify the elephants in the sanctuary not in a condemning, angry way. We're just saying, let's do something. This is intimacy. Can we chomp at this together? Can we work at social justice together? We want to defend the underdog Mm -hmm. like nobody's business. We love so intensely that sometimes we get misinterpreted. Yes. And we have to learn how to nuance that as well to work with others. Well, and I think it's a really beautiful thing when an eight gets behind an issue because I think that there is so much power in what they bring to the table. They're not going to quit until they see justice coming to the forefront. I think the challenge, like you're saying, is not taking that all on themselves Mm -hmm. and to acknowledge that while other people have their power showing in very different ways, those ways aren't worse. They are just different. And so the collective power that the aid is seeking is in that community coming together and building something amazing. And I think we also have to look at the shadow side of a challenger, that triple chocolate ice cream, is that we don't want to be controlled. We feel threatened when we're controlled or people try to manipulate. I can sniff through that. No, 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 you're not yes. going to do that. We, we, we fear that. We don't do well with that. And those are just some realities that we we talked about earlier before the show that there's always a flip side. Our strengths become our challenges. And just becoming aware of that, it doesn't mean we deny ourselves. It just becomes, let's be a healthier version of ourselves 
and understand where God is leading us toward wholeness and healing. Well, and 90% of that is an acceptance of it, is seeing that pattern in yourself and going, huh, I feel that pattern coming up again. That will get you 90% of the way forward rather than pretending it doesn't exist or trying to fight against that feeling of vulnerability inside of you. Yeah. Trust me, being a a suppressed eight is no good. (laughs) It's just no fun and nothing would change. Come on, guys. (laughs) Okay. I want to put you on the hot seat now. Okay. We're going to go to the next number nine, the harmonizer, which we affectionately call what ice cream would you give for your Um, My answer is, whatever you want, I'm fine with. (laughs) That is so nine. Such a harmony answer. Well, so I actually, I do like cookies and cream. That is my favorite. Like that classic vanilla with like a little bit of fun in it. Like Oreos are my favorite cookie. Like don't who doesn't like it? I mean, it it could be a party favorite. You bring it to, to a potluck. So they're nothing like too wild and crazy. There's a bit of comfort in it. Yeah. Which yeah. is definitely my my double-edged sword. If we're looking at that comfort, I will choose comfort over lots of other things. <laughs> it must be fun to be a harmonizer because harmonizer is always the the loved one, the, the soft, the, the kind one in the group. In my experience anyway, I was thinking actually you didn't want to offend anyone and you wanted to be the vanilla with a ton of different Absolutely. toppings. Everybody choose your own topping so everybody's happy. Well, that, that actually, was my thought of a nine. That's one of my favorite things is a Sunday bar. Absolutely. Where you actually get to choose. Yeah, like the tutti frutti where you like go through the line and get your frozen yogurt and you just get exactly what you want without being influenced by everybody so else. So thoughtful. I would have tried to push on why <laughs> the, the triple dark chocolate would be the best. <laughs> An I eight and a it. nine. Disgusting ice cream. So so tell me a little bit more about being a harmonizer. Just sure. in a, a broad stroke. So I think what I've learned is I appear to be very peaceful and calm on the outside. But I am very aware that my internal world is working over time. Oh, really? Yeah. So I think that either that's my double-edged sword of being the peacemaker where I'm constantly trying to evaluate how everybody is feeling and making sure that everybody is staying happy and making sure that their needs and anything that they could possibly be thinking about is being tackled to the detriment of anything that I would possibly want or need. I'm not even on the priority list. I... I don't make the cut. So how does that play itself out if you're harmonizing to the detriment of who you are? How do you work with that? (laughs) You know, for me personally, it took me literally falling asleep in my own mind. So I would get this brain fog where I would know that I was forgetting myself and I didn't totally get it. I didn't totally get it. I thought maybe I was stressed or I was tired or I was something which... Incidentally, like nines are classic sloth, lazy, tired is what we get called, but it really isn't. I do a lot. I'm active. It's just internally, I forget myself constantly. So I really needed to look inside and see what was causing some of those moments of forgetfulness. And they're everywhere now. Now that's all I can see. So you're learning to find that voice. Yes. Yeah. And where would a harmonizer shine in community in relation to caring for their community? Where do they shine? Where are they rock stars? You know, the harmonizer is an interesting one because my natural inclination is always to do what other people need. And that actually ends up being to my detriment. So for me to start learning what I like and want so that I stand as my own 
person within a community is actually my best way forward. So the whole idea that you can't love others until you love yourself is loud and clear as a warning bell in the nine harmonizer. So for me, my path forward has been to examine me so that I can actually bring a full person into the community of God instead of bringing a half person that people think Ooh, that, they, good. that they need or want. Right. If that makes sense. Because you are that best gift when your whole self comes and right. being okay with that. Even right? when it means I'm a bit needier than I would have liked to have been. Yeah. Yeah. So I could also see it playing out in sort of more of a healthy diplomat where some might be overtaking charge or some might be withdrawn. You actually are seeking the peace of the community. Yes. And you can read a room like no one else yes. to understand what is needed to bring that harmony. Yeah. And that's beautiful. You know, it really is a skill that I didn't realize other people didn't have. Mm -hmm. And it has operated at various levels of health for me, but I can match energy really well. So when I know that, you know, a space needs something more fun, I'm happy to be more fun. When someone wants to come and challenge me like an eight, <laughs> I can come up against that and I'm happy to, you know, bring that energy too. So all those things have such a beautiful place when they're done from a place where I'm not giving up myself, mm -hmm. I'm actually embracing my true self. All right, let's go on to the next flavor, the improver, also known as the Enneagram One. I'm curious what you think, what ice cream type they would have. I have a hunch, but uh, let's see where, where we land. So my brother is a one. And the other day he came home with a locally made ginger mango Thai flavored ice cream. And I thought, huh. That's an interesting choice. And I think if I could get inside his uh -huh. head for a moment, I think he felt like it was very right and good to buy locally. Ethically so, sourced. Yes. yes. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, it I was like really it. good. Honestly, the ice cream was super good, but you could tell it was the right was, thing. To it do. was the right thing to do. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Let's go with that one. <laughs> okay. So I was thinking a little bit more simple, but I like your yours really exemplifies it. I was thinking of ethically sourced. Yes. Vanilla bean premium ice cream. The right one. That's like right. Like the good one. That's right. Yeah. And where all the beans were ethically sourced. Yes. So let's talk about the improver. Yes. What gets them going? You know, the improver has a real desire for things to be good and right. And on the outside, that looks like such a noble cause. Um, but from what I've heard from ones, internally, it causes such a struggle because there is no perfect everything. And so they live in this balance between knowing and seeing what could be better and then feeling the impact of it never getting there. That's such an ironic space to live in. Because they are so nobly seeking good. And we need that. Absolutely. Right? They're kind of the conscience and they're they're kind of the, the people that keeps things check and balance so we don't cut yeah. corners, that things are on the up and up. Absolutely. Uh, he's an accountant, my brother. So oh, go like, figure. Yeah. if you need all your tax rules followed, you go to him. Like he is great at what he does, always making sure that things are done properly and well, and it's so beautiful, but then beating himself up when they're not quite there and right. that, that you never get there. It's right. impossible. It's impossible to be perfect. Well, I have a very beloved one working on our team. And as an improver, 
I have actually, because I'm not a one, I have a te- I have a bit of that within me, but I will actually give her a piece of work, a writing or a, a graph or a mm-hmm. concept, because I'm a high level thinker, visionary, and I'll ask her, invite her in her natural strengths, which she beats herself up on sometimes, but her natural strength, I said, poke holes at it because I know you want what's good. I know you are on mission with me and on our care impact to, to connect and equip the whole church. I know we're going for the same North Star. Now poke holes at it. For the love of God, poke holes at it because I know you want what's good, what's ethical, what's right. Yes. And you're going to challenge me, which I think is intimacy with a one, to say, how can we make this better? Totally. And I otherwise actually don't see it because I'm the optimist. I'm always thinking it'll work itself out in my gut. Yep, absolutely. Well, and I think the desire for perfection is not the problem. It's what the definition of perfection ah. is. Because we as humans will never be the perfect in every area perfection. And I don't think that that is what any of us are seeking. There will be days when you are upset about stuff and there will be days when you don't get along with someone. And those aren't imperfect days. That's humanity. That is embracing what it is to live on the earth. So I think that their desire is wonderful and they're wanting to look at things and improve things and make things better for everybody. But it is an unattainable goal. Yeah. Just like ethically sourced vanilla beans, <laughs> right? Like there's a point where you can't be a purist in anything because there there are some things that will fall short. Yes. And I think if there's any encouragement for for any improvers out there to cut yourself some slack. You are good. We need you. You're perfect as you are. We want you the way you are to pursue health is to maybe let that inner self-critic be a little less critical of self because you just show up. Totally. You are already bringing improvement because the way you see the world, the way you can bring improvement to the world in a healthy way. Oh my goodness. We need them. Absolutely. And sometimes they're their worst. Absolutely. <laughs> they don't need it from from anybody else. Yes. <laughs> so pat on the back for for the Enneagram ones. That's yeah. right. Way to go. Okay, let's go on to the heart feelings. Let's go to the feelings. Okay. Time for the twos. The twos or the helper or the pleaser or the quintessential female in the church. It's really the number that wants to be whatever anybody wants them to be. They want to be helping and they want to respond to anything you would need, whether that is with actual physical things, whether that's being a listening ear, whether that is being intuitively there for someone, even before they even ask it. They want to be there for you no matter what. And they can feel that. Mm -hmm. I have twos in my life. They feel what I need before I even know it. And they're like right there. There's a coffee on your desk and you didn't even ask for it. And I didn't it's right even there. know I needed it. Maybe uh, my my space outness has said, oh, she needs caffeine. But yeah. <laughs> what ice cream? What, what would you give them? Okay, so I liked the idea of splitting the banana split. Okay. But I think in general, twos would share with anybody. I think that if they are going for ice cream with you, they're on board for whatever you want to be on board with. They want to share. They love sharing. And they want to make sure that you're making a comfortable choice for you. And they're probably buying everybody else's ice cream and getting to the till before we do. That's right. Because they want to be that caring, thoughtful, one step ahead. Yes. Yeah. Like, I'm listening here and saying, hey, 
I know the difference, but how would you differentiate with a nine who is a harmonizer who does a lot of reading the room? Yes. What would you say a two is distinct in? I think it comes down to their motivation. So nines are really motivated to keep the inner peace inside Mm -hmm. them looking good. So I'm looking for, I shouldn't say looking good, but... um, Resolving the tension. Yes. Keeping all tension neutral. So I'm reading the room for ways that people might be unhappy with each other and with me. Okay. I think twos are definitely trying to make sure that they're good with other people. So they really want to make sure that when they're reading the room, they're reading from a different perspective. They're reading more the emotions of the room and they're reading to make sure that whatever energy is coming their way is really positive and people like them and people want to be in their space with them. Does that make sense? Yeah, a no, little that bit does. nuanced. I, I appreciate you uh, identifying that. And is there anything that in their pursuit of helping others and making everybody in more a positive way and helping them in their distress or even just before they even know they have any needs, is there anything that they lose within themselves in their helping? Well, I think twos and nines are interesting. But twos maybe more than nines. They project their feelings and emotions out rather than accepting how they might be feeling. So I think that twos do an awesome job of reading people's emotions, but then miss their own in Um, some respects. And so what happens when you miss your own emotions? There's such a danger when, when you're so good at reading other people, you really want that to be reversed. It's that classic, I'm going to do the things that I hope will one day come back to me. I could see some resentment building. Yeah. A little bit like a Mary and Martha dynamic of yes. like, I'm working here in the kitchen. What What are you doing? Why aren't you seeing all the dishes that need Absolutely. to be done? And why aren't you cooking? And why didn't you grab yes. the spice from the market? Yes. And some twos are going to be better at verbalizing that than others. Uh-huh. So I think resentment is probably putting the nail on the hammer there. I know I felt that at times too, where I'm sensing things from people and there isn't that return. Giving, giving, giving. Yeah. Because everyone in all our different uniquenesses, we get tired, right? Where we need each other. We're not be all end alls autonomous. I think the two's growth path is understanding that you might be helping beyond what anybody's been asking for or anything. And if you're not prepared to give, in a neutral way because you see a need and you want to help, it ends up turning into resentment before you can fully realize it because it isn't being returned to you. So it could be a strings attached giving if it's not in check. Yes. Yeah. No, that's good. And so where would they shine in community as a helper? Where don't they shine maybe is the question. (laughs) Because who doesn't love a helper? And that can actually feed them into probably burnout. Yes. I think that the twos shine in so many areas. They're so willing to jump in and help. They're willing to listen and they're willing to give it that extra thought to get that movement going to help somebody who really needs it. But I think when they finally release themselves from that and when they settle into the fact that in a similar way to the nines, they have needs too, and it gives other people a gift to allow that need to be met that wholeness that we really need where I'm a whole person with things that are good and things that are bad. And I need to allow all those things to be at work in order for a community to function as a community needs to function. 
Yeah, and I'm looking forward to doing this episode. I've invited my friend back and and those of you that have been following along, Michael Hrenick, Dr. Michael, he's going to be coming back. He's a two. Yay. He He's a helper. And a lot of psychotherapists are naturally bent to that. And, and of course, you have to work through some healing and growth in that so you can do it in a sustainable way. But we're going to get into that and hear his story as a psychotherapist doing amazing things. Yeah. Well, they really have space for emotions, which is a really a space that is lacking in some communities. Emotions have a really healthy space, all of them. And twos are really prepared to embrace them. And sometimes in the church particular, we don't necessarily have space for emotions. We have thinking and doctrines. Uh, we may have, have sort of the ways we do things, but feelings... Why don't we do that? Maybe it's a little more dangerous. Maybe it's not controlled or maybe we have to go deep. Right. And those are hard things. So we do need good people that can really tap into their their inner emotions. Okay, moving on to the Achiever, also known as Enneagram 3. Let's talk about that. What ice cream would you give the Achiever? Well, I believe you have Neon Rainbow down here. And I... I would agree with that, but I kind of think the three is going to go for whatever they believe the best one is. So Ah. I'm kind of thinking like the really big, everything's in it. It's probably better than other people's. Maybe it's, you know, the fancy, but not in like a fancy way. Maybe the conversation starter ice cream. Yes, yes. I agree. Yeah. The conversation starter ice cream, whatever is in the big pineapple or in the big whatever. (laughs) Yes. Go big or go home. Okay. So people notice that I ordered this. That's great. This is how we do community. That's right. Okay. So let's, let's go in there. I like this. This is a good starting point for the Achiever. Tell me a little bit more. So the Achiever is the person you call when you need to get all kinds of things done. They will absolutely come and do everything with you. They're hard workers. They're super hard workers, likely to their detriment, where they will just work and work and work and work and work and work and work. So it's interesting the ways that different Enneagram numbers lean into their strengths, like to work and work and work to the point where you kind of missed the relationships or the emotions or the things that kind of were happening along the way. And possibly to the detriment of the community moving forward to their own achievements, possibly. Well, and I think what the three really, really needs to understand is that we like them just the way they are. Maybe that's the message for the ones and the threes and everybody out there is you don't need to keep doing more and trying more and being the best at things and competing and doing all those things. You are enough. Just as you, just as you is great. And I think when Enneagram threes really choose to just be themselves and choose to embrace whatever they have accomplished at that point in their life, I think it's a really beautiful thing. Yeah. And I think we will recognize the achievers, the the Enneagram threes in a church sanctuary. They often light up the room. Absolutely. They light up the stage. They yep. they demand the, the control, not because they're like, hey, listen to me. Yeah. But they're charismatic. Absolutely. They, they're funny. They're funny. You want to be around them. Absolutely. They're, they're the people in the crowd that everybody wants to hear the story from. Yes. They demand control, not with trying to so much as they just demand control and they're okay with the spotlight. And there's a place for that. So where do they shine in in community? Where do you see they shining best in community? Definitely as leaders, they love to, like what you said, be kind of in the spotlight or the one that's like 
pumping everybody's tires, right? Like the one that's kind of going, of course we can do it. Let's do it. Like they're really outgoing, really Mm -hmm. outgoing and wanting to make things look like we're moving in the right direction, like positive and encouraging. Like that good coach on the sideline, just like, you got this. Absolutely. Caring out of that mindset of, of an achiever, what are some of the challenges that one might face if you have that tendency? I think the challenge is in simply slowing down. Like, I think that it is so ingrained in them to like move on to the next thing, even when the thing hasn't completely been accomplished or been done to the best of your ability, you just want to keep on going because you're just kind of seeking that next, similar to the sevens, I guess, when we eventually Mm -hmm. get there. But I think when the achiever chooses to slow down and either embrace what other people are bringing to the table as far as leadership and as far as excitement, and they choose to be a partner in that instead of the one that is seeking to be at the top of that pyramid, I think that there is some beauty in what that will become. So what I'm hearing, their enoughness is not always to be in the spotlight, but to lead with others for the greater good and that they are enough, that they will naturally attract people around them. And when you were talking about the work, 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 I actually identify a lot with that. Maybe it's my upbringing, my nurture. As a Mennonite, my husband calls me a Clydesdale. I just like to work, work, work. But one of the things that I found when I did some deeper work and what keeps me as more of a challenger by default, not that I don't have some of these achiever uh, tendencies within me, is that my motivation for work comes from a different place. So that's, again, we're coming back to why we use this as a tool. And it's not just the external, what we see that person. So that's why we can't typecast somebody. I love to work, 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 but it comes more out of a different place of changing systems and seeing a vision. My gut says there's something here that needs to be discovered. And I don't really care if people see me or not. And I can often be an outlier and not matter. It doesn't matter if people see me right or wrong. Right. Um, It's just that I just know in my gut We've got to move forward. Do I want to lead others? Absolutely. Do I, do I often bring a lot of energy in the room? People often say I do. However, I'm not energized by being liked. Right. And I think with the three, there's obviously a, a motivation to be seen as a certain type of person. And I don't think that that is bad. I actually think that probably a lot of us, if we dug deep down, sure. we would have a similar motivation. So I think what I would wish for Enneagram 3s that are in community is that they would stop with that exterior need for people to kind of look at them a certain way and that they would just look at themselves and go, I'm good just as I am and I'm good. I choose me and I choose my own interests instead of trying to shape myself to become what Curate I think, your own persona. Yes, what I think other people want from me. And, and God wants us to be our authentic full selves, yep. right? And that's part of that self-discovery and being okay with being just who we are, not the persona that we idolize or idealize within our minds that would be the better Christian or the better community worker or the better neighbor. This is the, the continuous theme through all of these things, yeah. right? Is this idea that whatever you're doing to try and become the person you think everybody wants you to be isn't what we're looking for. 
We're looking for you to fully embody you, even the parts of you that don't feel great. Right. Because the whole picture and the whole puzzle, whatever metaphor you want to talk about within a community, is that if you're hiding parts of you, we don't get it all. Mm-hmm. We need all the parts. We need all the parts that you don't like, that you do like, all the parts you're pretending don't exist in order for that picture to look complete. So good, because I've experienced that for myself as I've been okay with my enoughness and I'm becoming okay. We're never a a finished product, right? But if I bring my whole self, the good, bad, and the ugly, and just say, this is who I am. You know what I notice? We create safety to be ourselves and to say, you are enough. I am enough. And we accept the good, the bad, the things that we are not proud of, but we give permission for people to be themselves. And that's where community really happens. Yeah, absolutely. This isn't a tool we're describing for self-improvement solely that like the latter success to to improve our self-help. It will not feel like that. It will not feel that. (laughs) In fact, it just brings like, oh, let's just rip that away. Let's take off the mask and let's just be who God created us to be. And that's beautiful. Let's go on to the next one here. Number four, which we've also lovingly called the creative. Yes. Um, what kind of ice cream would you give to the the creative number fours? I love my number fours too. I think the creative is always thinking about things a little differently. They're not wanting to just pick the vanilla and the chocolate. Not even the twist. That's a little too common. I think they're really wanting something different, something that is a new thing to try and something that is different than what everybody else is going to try. And probably very feeling oriented. I'm feeling this. (laughs) You know where where I went to when I, I thought of the four, the creative, I'm thinking there's no way but going to Marble Slab with them. This isn't an endorsement unless Marble Slab wants to endorse us (laughs) (laughs) and be a sponsor. But but they want it to create the one not on the picture there, but one that they're feeling that nuance of cherries and chocolate and some sprinkles because they're in that mood. Absolutely. And they're going to go there. Yeah, I, I feel like it is maybe mood based. Yes. Yeah. It's like what I'm feeling in the moment. Yes. And don't try and put me in a box because I might mm-hmm. not feel that way the next time you see me. That's right. It's not always the same each yes. time, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I love the four. Okay, so so let's talk a little bit more about the creative. They have deep moods and feelings. They're often very artistic. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. I think the fours, if I can be so bold as to say, they might be the most misunderstood, either as a North American culture or a church culture or however, wherever we have grown up in society at this point, really deep feelings feel off limits. And so... A four is the perfect example of that full spectrum. Mm -hmm. They feel them all. They experience the world through that lens. Not only do they feel it themselves, they're empaths. So they feel everybody else's. Absolutely. So a four is misunderstood in a lot of ways in the way that we prop up thinking as being the most beneficial way of viewing the world and of problem solving. And the emotion and the the time it takes to experience emotion, I think, is really not valued the same way. And so while they say fours typically do struggle with feeling connected to people and feeling really understood, and that creates a lot of frustration, I think that some of their complaint is true, is that 
we really don't totally get feelings. I mean, as someone who struggles to nail down how they're feeling on a regular basis, I mean, I'm sitting with my feelings wheel trying to like, uh, figure it out. (laughs) Could we add some language? They will have that language. I think that they are just such an invaluable resource as far as, you know, sitting with somebody who needs to feel it welcoming the time it takes if I can say the unproductivity of the human experience that is feelings. Right. I don't take that time all the time. It's such a gift that they offer to a community that I think is undervalued. And maybe undervalued in the church community often too, where we don't necessarily want to feel the dark feelings because they are okay with dark feelings, deep, dark feelings, those dark clouds. They're okay to go with that. And they can often be the people that people feel safe with, with depression, with hard feelings, with doubts, insecurities. They are the empaths in the room that people feel safe with that because they're willing to go there. And we can't lead people where we're not willing to go ourselves. And in the church, those are the ones we need. In the community, those are the ones we need to shine. We need to celebrate that rather than like, I I don't want to deal with those feelings. Absolutely. And I I think it does, like for anybody who feels vulnerable around their feelings, it is tricky, but they'll go to a four, go to a four. And I mean, they are so open to that. They are so open to sitting with you in your emotions. And when you were talking earlier about setting the example for yourself, they do that. They are already feeling and they are welcoming you into their feelings. So accept it, accept that offer and jump in with them because there is no better Enneagram type to really embrace what that looks like. Well, I have two Enneagram 4s creatives that are going to be coming on to the episode for I can't wait to introduce our guests, giving their experiences, their stories. It's rich. And they're just dear souls. Wonderful. I can't wait for those episodes. And if I can also say there is actually an Enneagram 4 um, subtype, which we won't go into, that feels the feelings, but struggles to have those externalized. Mm -hmm. So if you know inside that you are a deep feeler, but you're more, you look more like a three, You, you get work done, you're a really hard worker and you are more task oriented, Mm -hmm. there may be some research in there for you because it isn't just as black and white as I'm a feeler. I must be a four. Right. There might be more to it. And actually there's subtypes and and all of that. People can do their their own work and they can look in the show notes for for some links that could lead them on this path of discovery. Yeah. There's nuances for everything. Yes. And it's good to go there. All right. So we've gone through the feelings. Let's go to the head. Those are the last three that we haven't covered. The last three flavors. Talk to me about the head or thinking types. Okay. So the head and thinking types are really prone to strategy and really prone to leading with their knowledge. So that can bring about all kinds of things. When you're really stuck in your mind, you kind of forget about your body and your feelings. So I've heard the phrase for certain head types, I like to think my feelings. That's not the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) So that, I mean, maybe some of these types should hang out with force. I don't know. (laughs) The the next type is the number five, the investigator. Um, Let's talk, what does an investigator look like? Let's start with this. What kind of ice cream would the investigator be prone to, would you say? So I was thinking... 
there are probably investigators out there that aren't interested in dessert that are like <laughs> they've researched it and they've had their allotted calories for the day and they're probably good. So I don't know that investigators are always on board for that. OK, that yeah. would be my thought. Well, I was thinking they'd probably first go on Consumer Reports and look at the best quality ratings, (laughs) scientifically proven in the lab for the best quality of ice cream and ratings. So whether it's Haagen-Dazs or whatever the the different kind of brands out there, they're going to do the investigative work first. The research. The research. Even what ice cream shop is the best. That's right. Based on reviews. Based on reviews or their own experience. Their own experience. They're going to do the research. Yeah. So when they lead the ice cream bandwagon, you know they, they've researched it, <laughs> yes. they've Googled it, they've done the work. That's right. It's not a whim. It will never be a whim. No, you know what you know. Yes. So, so let's go a little bit more deeper into the investigator. What makes them tick? So the investigator I find really fascinating. I actually don't have a lot of investigators in my life. And I think that probably investigators often like to keep to themselves. They love to research. They love knowledge. They love to just know as much as possible about a subject area to the point where I've heard fives kind of say, it would scare me if if you asked me a question, I didn't know the answer to it. Right. So if I'm claiming I know something about a subject area and you ask me a question that I can't answer, that may be my greatest fear. That may be the thing that's going to unravel me. So I would imagine, though, at least to the fives in my knowledge, in my circles, that rather than pouncing them with an idea or saying, hey, let's do this in the community, let's plant the seed, let them do the research. They're going to actually come back with a a better, more understood, informed way of moving forward in the community or within the church. They're, They're going to do their research, again, still on board for the North Star, if you're friends with them or you're you're working together. But they're going to do the work. They're not going to just say things on a whim to be liked. No, you can or trust to be them. Known Absolutely. Or anything else. But they they really seek knowledge and wisdom. Yes. I love that. Absolutely. I think they're also the number that is going to show us how to have healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. I think a five is really good at knowing where their limits are. Mm-hmm. And that can be to the detriment of the people that are with them that want to spend more time with them. But the five has kind of reached their limit. Yeah. But I think... um, More factual. Like, this is it. And I think as someone who grew up in a context where boundaries were, we weren't sure if we were supposed to have them or not. I think a five is able to say, I think I've hit my limit and I'm going to go home now. I need some alone time. I could see where an investigator would be hard to be seen as caring. That it comes across as caring. Because it's maybe not as relational as some. Right. I'm not saying that they're introverts necessarily. They often are. Or that they don't like people. They mostly do. However, they could be misunderstood. I agree. In their contribution in the community and how they care. How do they shine in a community? Well, I think actually fives are so interesting because from what I've heard, they have very clearly defined circles. And Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of us, we feel so pressured to maintain very random social connections. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's fine, but I don't know that that's where those deep connections really come from. And fives really give us the example of knowing who the few people that you actually have time for, and you can really develop those deep connections with, and they prioritize the people that are in their circle. 
I had a staff member one summer work with us and she was investigator at five and we had her in the perfect job of research. She lit up when she could be by herself. We just gave her a task and she could do a spreadsheet and come up with all the facts and numbers. She was not swayed by all the nuances that we might get the wrong idea from. She could cut through some of the facades of things and just look for the facts. And she was sort of like a gold digger. Right. Finding the gold that we needed that was actually relevant. And she was less subjective and more objective. And we needed objectivity when we were doing our research. And so on its own, it may not bring on all the complexities that we were looking at, but it is such a valuable piece to a community, to a work team, to a church, when we have those persons in community, like all the numbers. I mean, speaking again about like the way we've been socialized, I mean, church is a social space. Communities are hugely social spaces. That isn't for everybody. And that isn't the best way to do everything. Right. So the idea that you actually value alone time and that you need alone time, we all do. It's just that there's such a pressure to avoid it or a pressure to seek people out to fill something that, you know, might be actually better filled when you're alone. Right. Spending some time with your own thoughts and doing some reflection. Yeah. Alone time, even Jesus had alone time. That's right. And it's okay, right? That's right. He he had that balance of when he was with people and when he wasn't. Yeah. Uh, Let's go on to the next one, the loyalist, also known as the Enneagram number six. Oh, I love the sixes in my life. (laughs) They are the salt and pepper to to my day because I don't think like them at all, but I love them dearly and I need them. I was thinking a favorite ice cream for the loyalist would be gluten-free, (laughs) dairy-free, nut-free, frozen treat uh, because they're uber cautious. I would The the people in my life, they want to make sure that nothing sets anybody off themselves or others. So they're going to be on the cautionary side to make sure the whole group is safe. They keep people alive. Absolutely. What kind of ice cream would you give the loyalists? Well, I was thinking about my friend who's a loyalist and I think that whatever she would choose it would be very a very thoughtful choice. She will not be choosing something just because and she will not be choosing something because everybody else is doing it. I actually think she puts a lot of effort into her Ice cream choices. (laughs) (laughs) They do a lot of thinking and maybe overthinking. Yes. Yeah. I have you ever traveled with a with a loyalist? Not recently. They think of everything. They've got hangers. Perfect. You know who I'm talking about out there. (laughs) They they have an iron. They've got all the things in (laughs) case of emergency. They're extra uber prepared, not only for them, but for everybody. Literally everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. They've thought of it. They've thought of the what ifs. Yes. And they're always the ones with the checklist and and able to think, project ahead. To me, it's catastrophizing, but to them, (laughs) they're saving my life. And both are true. (laughs) You never know. (laughs) That's right. So tell me a little bit, what do we mean by loyalist? The loyalist means that they really, really value the closeness that relationship brings and that they... I guess to a fault in that they're incredibly connected to people, even when that connection has shifted. So I think the loyalist is one of those people that their secret motivation is to keep themselves safe and secure. But when it's in its health, it's this beautiful relationship where they're continually working towards the connection. And I think it's a beautiful thing. 
So where would the loyalists shine in community? Where are they at their greatest way of, I, I know I'm overgeneralizing, but where do you see a loyalist, a number six, shine in a community context? Um, I think the loyalist has so many places where they shine in a community. They're working for the common good, whether that is from a place of fear or preparation. I mean, they're always working. I think they're either in their mind or otherwise, they're always working towards the ways that the whole community can feel safe, physically, emotionally, all the things. Always the gap filler. Yes. They can always yes. see those spots. Absolutely. Different than the helper, yeah. but in a, in a way they can project what could happen and they're already there with the umbrella yes. because they, they pack that for <laughs> That's you. That's right. They I didn't had think that about already, it. yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is another number where one of the subtypes is quite different. Mm. Um, so the six kind of exemplifies in the subtypes those fear- responses. So fight, flight, fawn. Yeah. Um, so if you are somebody who isn't totally sure if this maybe fits for you, I would do a little bit more research into it because there is a subtype of the six that looks a lot eight-ish uh-huh. where they go up against the authorities and they kind of respond to that fear in a completely different way than what you would expect. Yeah. No, so a beautiful. good place to do a bit of research. Yeah. Well, we love our loyalists. We need them. So grateful. And we're finally to our last flavor, (laughs) (laughs) our natural flavor, the enthusiast, also known as the Enneagram 7. What ice cream would you give the enthusiast? This is going to be a fun one, I think. I think the enthusiast picks a different ice cream every single time that they go for ice cream. Because that would be fun. Yes. I think they're always trying something new every single time. And they're probably always adding whipped cream and sprinkles. Maybe. Because that would always be fun. My dad you can never get too much. is an enthusiast and he always puts sprinkles on serious? everything. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. Yes. Yeah. No, you can never have too much fun. That's right. So whatever you have that is fun, it, probably like a rainbow ice cream or bubble gum yes. or like. Bubble gum was my next thought. You know, like whatever would be fun. Yes. They're not the Bordeaux cherries. No. And they're not getting the cookies and cream. No. Those no. are too, it's too, too boring. Safe, too boring. Yes, yes. Too predictable. Not the vanilla. No. Yeah. It'll be fun. It'll have whipped cream sprinkles and whatever else you throw. Gummy worms. Yeah. Gummy nerds. worms would be great, I think. Yeah. yeah. A little pop of flavor. Yeah. Yeah, the more the better. That's right. They're going to douse it. They're probably going to have more (laughs) toppings than ice cream. So they're at the Nine Sunday Bar, and they (laughs) took all the toppings. That's right. That are are an option. (laughs) And they are the life of the party. Let's talk about we all need the enthusiasts in our life. absolutely. What else can you tell us about them? The enthusiast is, like, really fun, like what we've been saying. They are the first person up for an adventure. I mean, yes, they're avoiding some of the darker, sad things, but sometimes we need that. They want to just embrace life. I think it's a beautiful thing. They just want to see what life can offer and try as many things as they possibly can. And I know sevens in my life that are the innovators. They see what's possible beyond what other people are seeing what's not. They're yes. innovators often. I'm not saying everybody, but they, well, they're, they the often dreamers. Can, they're the dreamers. Absolutely. My, my dad has a dream and then he just does it. It isn't even a question of whether it's going to happen. He wanted to build a performing arts studio. So he did. He just did it. Because why not? Exactly. 
and they can make it happen. Yeah. Well, I have a very special guest coming on for this one. I can't wait to introduce them to everybody. He's actually the creator, Adrian Lewis. He's the creator of the Care Portal, the the technology that we are using across Canada to connect children and families in hard places with the community and to create that ecosystem. He's a dreamer. He's a smart guy and he lights up the room. So much fun. Now, I can see so many positive things. Mm -hmm. Can there possibly be anything that is challenging for the enthusiast when they're interacting with community? Well, I think that the enthusiast, because of their need to do the next, 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 is they leave a little bit of undone in their wake. So you need people around. They, Yeah, you do. And I think the dreamer is only as good as how they create that dream and make that dream a reality. So the... Living in the clouds is is a part of the puzzle, but it isn't the complete picture of what's going on. So I think for a seven, if they can embrace the fact that there are other parts of the human experience that are an adventure, even though they feel icky sometimes to start them, I think that is the key for moving those adventurers forward is for them to start embracing the inner world that is actually an adventure in a completely different direction. That's a hard, vulnerable space for, for a seven. Yeah. But if that was reframed, if that was their adventure that they were tackling, if they could know that their inner world isn't going to kill them and their inner world isn't going to keep them in that darkness forever, that the dreams are still happening and that the whole experience of life isn't going away just because they're taking a moment to look at something else. Yeah. I think there's just so much beauty in the full experience. Yeah. No, I can take a lot out of that because while I'm a double dark chocolate ice cream lover, I dip my spoon a lot into the sprinkles. I I lean heavily towards the seven, uh, the enthusiast. I see what's possible. But then those are the things that I've been learning about myself to listen in, to lean into the others around us, to understand the realities, but also bring that enthusiasm to others because they need my optimism as well. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it's that that double edged sword again, where Mm -hmm. the dreams aren't going to continue to look as dreamy when you haven't anchored them in that humanity. Like there is that need for that center Mm -hmm. in order for those dreams to grow even bigger. Wow. Yeah. I think it's that both and system. Well, we've covered all the flavors. Good job, Tamara. (laughs) I'm so excited that you are launching this Enneagram aware.ca is the website. So I'm going to encourage people to to go to your website. And I know you're diving deep into uh, more studies and you're going to develop the services that you're doing. I'm just so excited for you. Thank you. And I'm so appreciative of the work you, you've you done here with us today. And you've really set the stage for the upcoming nine episodes. I'm so excited for what <laughs> we're going to learn through people's stories. Oh, we'll let it's going to be awesome. Themselves. I can't wait to hear the rest of the episodes. I think we should go have ice cream. I- <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us on this introductory episode of our series, Flavors of Care. In the coming weeks, we will continue to celebrate the uniqueness of individuals and their ways of fitting into the community, sharing different perspectives and stories from different guests. We hope you'll join us and maybe you'll come out the other side learning a little bit more about yourself and those around you. And hey, just like ice cream, podcasts are so much more fun when shared with others. So share this series with a friend or family member and remember to visit our website, journeywithcare.ca to stay informed of upcoming podcast meetups, 
all the links, information on our guests, and so much more. Again, thank you for listening, and let's stay curious.